welcome back to Great Wellness Getaways. I'm really excited about this week's show. Uh, we're talking about one of the top travel getaways taking place through all of the pandemic, and that is camping and getting out to wide open spaces with fewer places. My guest today is Josh Penny. He's the Executive Director of the BC Lodging and Campground Association. We have worked together for many years. I've had the good fortune of working with Joss where we've profiled the association and many of their members in uh, my great getaways column that was with the Sun and Province for years and on global TV and on my radio show. And now I'm really happy to be doing it on our podcast. So big warm welcome to you, Joss. Nice to see you. Cheryl, thank you for inviting me. Looking forward to uh, talking to your audience. Yes, it's going to be interesting because when I say that lodging and campgrounds in particular became the it girl this summer, you really did. Like that that part of our tourism segment was going crazy as of, I think, the spring before even level three hit. Is that true? Well, we had two items that, that helped us. One was that uh, we were declared a non-essential health service. And so what we did was we had to house a number of snowbirds that had to return early from the United States. They came back in their RVs, they had to self-isolate. We had the ability to put them on self-contained sites. And so that was phase one. Uh, then the second thing that happened was is that in phase two, when uh, we aligned with BC Parks, which opened June the 1st for overnight camping uh, for locals only, that gave us a huge spur at that point in time with local business. Well, and when you say, again, there's two opportunities there. I know we were hearing in the news a lot about uh, the opportunity for the snowbirds to stay longer. Did that cause some issues? Were there many that came back up and were isolating and then decided, heck, if we can, we're going to stay? Well, some of them were forced to stay because what happened was in uh, after the spring break, BC Parks, rec sites, and Parks Canada weren't open. And normally BC Parks were open. As you remember, we had a beautiful, beautiful week during spring break. And suddenly people said, wait a minute, we're under a pandemic. It's safe to go camping. It's isolated. We're with my family. We're with our group. We're keeping their distance from everyone. And they headed out to provincial parks. I don't think that was the anticipation that their behavior would be that way. And so that's why we led, it led to BC Parks being closed. Uh, and then they didn't reopen again until phase two, which was, as you know, June the 1st. Indeed. And that created a lot of business for the private sector because the snowbirds were sort of forced to be in place because they couldn't go uh, to the United States. They couldn't travel to provincial parks. They couldn't stay at recreation sites. They couldn't stay in uh, Parks Canada because that didn't open until June the 24th. So now they were forced to actually stay in, in situ, which was with the private sector. Did that affect your organization? Did you find that all of a sudden you were scrambling to get information out and work with the different government levels and entities to help get this information across to the public? I think from the point of view of the RV snowbirds, it wasn't too much of an issue because they were able to take up the slack that was missing. I mean, what happened was is that the local business wasn't there, uh, nor was the international travel, nor was the U.S. travel. It was just the RV snowbird business in, the, in March and April. And, and then in Victoria Long Weekend, we began to see some people trying to sneak out. But the message to our members was no. We're aligned for overnight camping. There's, there's no non-essential travel until June the 1st. 
And so that's what we did. We aligned with that. So really, it didn't create an issue for us because we had some form of revenue coming in from these snowbirds. Wonderful. Well, it's interesting because, you know, I live on the Sunshine Coast now, having moved over here almost nine years ago. And we saw it that long weekend in March, and we continued to see it here, even though it wasn't publicly acceptable the the ferry numbers increased dramatically we saw rvs on the on the ships we saw campers coming and it's continued right up until now and we're recording this interview just heading into thanksgiving so it, i just I, I i'm quite surprised in a sense but i guess you wouldn't be because that pent-up demand to get out is there and if people could get rent an rv or get their camping gear thrown together. I mean, the sales must have been tremendous in the camping uh, area of retail marketing. Well, the RVDA of Canada tells us the sales have never been as strong. But I think if you look at it from the perspective of what the advice was coming from the provincial health officer, it was stay in small groups, you know, within your bubble. Uh, uh, and, and to, to do that uh, by maintaining a self dist safe distance, one of the things you could do is jump in your car or jump in an RV, go to a campsite, which, ha which is self-contained, and usually they're 40 feet by 60 feet. Uh, you're a distance away from your neighbors. So everything sort of fell in place that it actually, you can self-isolate, you can distance from people, and yet you can still enjoy the outdoors. So I think that's what the message sort of got out to people. We saw that for the very first time when the Discover Camping System opened in uh, May 25th. We had 11,000 people on our website that day, the campingrvbc.com website. We've never, ever had that many in one day. And that was the pent-up demand because people were open to, being, to renting and booking. And that was just from British Columbians because, as you know, uh, uh, BC Parks only allow British Columbians to reserve on their reservation system. And the albums weren't allowed to travel until after the June the first date. Was there any fallout from that at all after once it got going? People, it just I'm asking because it seemed just in the news and talking to people as well that were camping, it was so exciting to hear people say, I got a spot, you know, not way more than you normally have. You could usually drive up to many places throughout the province and and find somewhere for the night. But I, I don't know, the obviously the pent up demand was there and i think it was even a higher level of elation wasn't it for people to actually get a spot yes and i, I think part of that was because we changed our practices at the beginning in the beginning phase we were recommending to our members reservations only and, re and having the registration desk as touchless as possible so that people would reserve they, they you know when they're coming uh, you wouldn't actually greet them as you normally would. They wouldn't have a check and check out. They'd go to the site and, and everything would have been taken care of in, in a touchless type approach. If they wanted to get firewood, if they wanted to get propane filled, they, they would text the office and somebody would come down that distance soon. You know, so that's really the approach that we took. So when that uh, approach came in, one of the first casualties, unfortunately, in the private sector was tenting sites because they weren't self-contained. They weren't, you weren't able to keep people within in the site and you had to maintain a washroom. So in the first instance, many of the private sector campgrounds didn't open their washrooms or the laundry facilities or their convenience store. They just offered uh, sites for self-contained RVs. Mm -hmm. So that was the first wave. And once we got into June, we were able to, to have protocols in place to effectively clean washrooms 
to have appointment systems for laundromats. Many places chose not to open swimming pools because they couldn't do the self-isolation and they didn't have the staff to be able to manage it. But so I think, so what you're really asking about, what, you know, a lot of people put pressure on them to have to, have to reserve. And so therefore the first come first serve freedom of camping changed. You actually had the plan. And we saw a lot of new campers this year, a lot of people that never camped before, uh, who used to go traveling overseas, who suddenly said, wait a minute, I'm gonna rent an RV, buy an RV or borrow an RV, uh, or take the tent in and take the kids camping because I can't go on a vacation anywhere else. We're not sure whether we'll be able to keep those in the future, but certainly hopefully some of them have enjoyed their experience in trying something different. Because camping's not easy, it's work. <laughs> it is work. You know, <laughs> up the site, you have to make sure the RV's working, you have to do the food, you have to make sure they're shopping. It's like being at home, but being away. Uh, you know, the only thing we advise people is not to pack their brain when you leave home. Right. <laughs> well, but you know, it's so rewarding once you do it. it you, you get out there and I, you know, sure it's like being at home, but it's not. It's, it's got to be one of the greatest experiences, especially in our province. It, the area is so vast. There's so many places to go. So how do you see this tailing into now fall and winter? It, it hasn't tapered off or have you seen a little bit of a decline, but not much? Definitely. Yeah. There's always a decline when school goes back. I mean, one of the other things that, that sort of created so much rush and demand for the outdoors, not just camping, but hiking and biking was the fact that there was nothing else to really do. The, the team sports had gone. The school camps had disappeared. School wasn't good. You had to think of things to actually do with your family. And so it actually, for the first time, brought families more together so that they were able to, to travel around. And now that has continued on in the fall. We're seeing uh, a lot of families still renting on the weekends. We had great fall weather, of course. Normally, the typical ending for our season is Thanksgiving, this coming weekend. Um, and uh, where a lot of campgrounds will have uh, Thanksgiving events. That was a casualty this year, was the events and things that they actually put on for campus. Uh, um, those, those weren't able to be done because, I mean, you, it's very difficult to do a virtual event at a, at a campground when people are sort of mix, want to mix and mingle. So, uh, uh, well, who wants to do some s'mores over a video camera, right? <laughs> it's yeah. not the same. But that's a really interesting point. Um, so as we, you say, you're traditionally wrapping up around Thanksgiving, but I know your website, which is tremendous, the information there for anybody just tuning in is uh, campingrvbc.com. It's, uh, it's got everything you need to know and actually more. I, I was really quite impressed with, with how robust the site is right now. It's um, coming into winter too, faster than we think. I saw an ad for Christmas the other day and almost got sick but it's coming so what are you doing for the winter time do you have some of your members and your stakeholders have they stepped up and said you know we figured this out we could do this actually through the winter if people want to bring their campers or their rvs we already have about a hundred uh, members that operate during the winter they operate year-round they've traditionally operated for the rv snowbirds and, right. and in the vancouver island your area, Sunshine Coast, uh, Lower Mainland, and the Okanagan. Uh, but what we've seen this year is that because some of the campground operators themselves you know, can't go south themselves, they're only a snowbirds and they close, they're actually uh, considering opening up some of their sites that they can easily winterize. 
that's ones with deeper deeper water and with a pedestal that can be heated so heat tape can uh, can can stop things freezing. So we're seeing that there is a, an entry of some extra sites that are around, but the demand from the RV snowbirds is tremendous. And, and really the hard close of the border is, is the determining factor mm -hmm. as to whether people can, can or can't travel. I, I guess most RV snowbirds that aren't gonna travel are probably gonna stay with family or friends, but there's still gonna be a large pool of them that used to go down south that would like to stay here. That border closing has caused more consternation than not, hasn't it? And yet we have to stay healthy. So that's interesting that obviously the demand is there for the snowbirds. We know that that's a continuation. But I think to your point, we're going to see some families that are going to look away too, that are going to say, let's go because we've got a, a RV rental demand here, all on the coast and of course throughout the Okanagan and other places. It's going to be interesting to see what happens, but as you say, it's a whole different setup, isn't it, for your folks? Well, some of the rental companies like Canada Dream are winterized. And they, they rent their RVs to people that are interested in traveling, obviously skiing or mm -hmm. snowboarding. Yeah. And there are a number of RV-friendly uh, ski destinations, and if they're able to open this year, I'm pretty certain that they will be taking quite a few of these these people that want to go for just for the weekend. So I, I think we're still going to see that those people that like to go out short duration, they're not going to stay so much at the private sector, but they will be at, at some of the, uh, the ski hills or some of the provincial parks that allow winter camping uh, if there's availability. Might be a bit chilly in your RV, though. I'm thinking I, I might go into the lodging side of your membership on that. Some of those lovely, really sweet little motels that are dotted throughout the province. Now, how have they fared through all of this? Well, a lot of our lodging is actually mixed with, uh, with the RVing. So it's cabins and cottages, and they've actually fared really well. Same, same scenario in that you're able to self-isolate. You're able to keep the numbers down to six to eight people uh, in, in the cabin. Uh, they've had a very strong business. I mean, I'm not, there are some pockets where they haven't done so well in, in like in Kootenays and the further north you go, uh, then you find that the, the business really does tail off uh, simply because it just wasn't the, the visitors from America and the international visitors. I mean, they make up about 15% uh, of the business that we have uh, out of province visitors. But unfortunately, I mean, with the, um, with the change, if that percentage changes dramatically to go north, and as you go into the Caribou, you're more reliant on international travelers, and they're just not here, as you know. Well, and Alberta even, right? We only really had the agreement between the Yukon and British Columbia. There is passage between the two provinces, Alberta and BC, but it wasn't a formal agreement, which a lot of people don't realize that that, that you know, wasn't official. We were being advised to stay within our area. So, you know, I think there's so much potential for this, and I think you're going to see a lot of converts after what's happened. What do you foresee, Joss? How do you see the future looking for this in, in say, the next year and going into next season? What advice would you have for people that want to get out and do this? Well, certainly what I'm going to say is that we're going to see a tremendous amount of pressure again. I mean, if the border remains closed, there's going to be pressure for spots, and we've got a number of new converts. Mm -hmm. If the border opens, there's going to be even more pressure. Mm -hmm. The Americans that are going to be wanting to flow, as they usually do, north, uh, heading up towards Alaska and, and enjoying that route again. Mm -hmm. If international travel opens and, and the, the Canada Dreams and the Fraser Ways and the cruise 
Canada rent to international, and they've probably deferred many of their rentals, then I think we're going to see a tremendous amount of pressure for spaces. Uh, and, uh, and my advice to people, plan ahead. One good thing about the private sector is you can actually book a, a year in advance. You don't have to wait for a rolling four-month window like the BC Parks or, the, or to January for uh, Parks Canada when they open up their, their mm. reservation system. So I think it's if you're looking at camping if you, and you want to go away, plan ahead. Don't plan to do short-term duration trips within four hours of a major urban center if the weather suddenly appears to be nice on, on June the 28th and you want to go for the July long weekend or looking for August. I think that's probably the biggest thing that we, that we all sit like and say. And with regards to overnight um, in lodging, yes, there's definitely tremendous demand for yurts, for, for tents, uh, uh, for um, uh, cabins. And, and, you, and I'm hearing from people that, that many of them are already 80% booked up for next summer. Wow, isn't that fantastic? You know, when you hear, there's so much uh, sadness and, and uh, fear in, in other sectors within our industry that that is really, really marvelous to hear that statistic and that it's that strong. So uh, yes, you better get out there. And if you're even thinking about it, I have someone in my family, my daughter and her fiance love camping and they were quite disappointed a few times this summer. And I said, you know, it's different. <laughs> it's really different. You're not going to just show up and maybe get that last spot. And uh, they were lucky. They did. Uh, they went over to the Gulf Islands, actually, to Salt Spring and had a fabulous getaway for a week with um, just the two of them. And they loved it. And uh, they said, we're in. This is going to be long term. So I think you're going to see a lot of that. So how about yourself? As we go to wrap up, it's been a really interesting conversation. It, it, how have you been keeping well yourself, you and your family through all of this? Well, I've been, I own an RV myself, a trailer, so I've been camping. The only thing I didn't get to do was my uh, cabin trip out to Topino because it, it hit right at the beginning of the time when, when, when COVID came. But we've been safe. We've been uh, practicing uh, keeping our bubble uh, and reduced our friends. But it's no international travel like everybody else, you know, just uh, looking at no travel below the, the line. So, yeah, I think we're okay. We're, we're faring mentally quite well. One of the good things about camping and RVing that, uh, and, and being in the outdoors is, as you know, it, it makes you mentally, it brings you back into rhythm, away from the city, away from the commute, away from work. Uh, and, and so it allows us to, to sort of be, you know, to relax. So that's what we've been doing when we go camping. Nice to hear. Well, and I think that isn't a holiday meant to be that. It's meant to be about your well-being and yes. your personal wellness to, to do that very fact is just decompress and unplug and uh, just relax, which camping to me is the epitome of that. It's, it's the great outdoors right there and uh, it's calling. So I, well, yeah, I as, well as, being, as well as being an activity, I mean, it's really your accommodation and that allows you to be able to do those activities safely. I mean, the people that go camping, you know, they've got boats, they've got bikes, they go hiking, they're into wildlife. It is uh, going somewhere safe where the kids can ride around on their bike, you know, without worrying about fear of anybody, or predators or anybody being around. You know, that's that's what it's all about. So it's all about uh, intergenerational fun, but I'm at distance because we've got a slightly different approach this year. 
but that's okay. We are making it work. And I, again, congratulations to you and all of your members and, and the people that are working with you at the association for leading this and helping get everybody that could go out, out because I think it's it's really important. So Joss, thank you so much. And it just as we go to close, can you just tell us once again, where's the best place for people to find information? Well, we run a campsite called campingrvbc.com. Uh, that has 1,500 campgrounds uh, listed on it. That's everything from the private sector to recreation sites to Parks Canada to BC Parks. So we, that's your first stop if you want to find a place to camp. Okay, excellent resource. As I said earlier, it's, it really is fabulous and I encourage everybody to do it. So Joss Penny, Executive Director of the BC Lodging and Campground Association, thank you, my friend, for coming to uh, share some of what's been going on for you and your members. And I'm glad you're well, you look great. For those of you that are uh, listening to this, if you get a chance, whip on over to YouTube and you'll find great wellness getaways listed there and you'll see Joss and I speaking. He has an office that is filled with little notes and post-its. <laughs> looks great, Joss. So thank you, my friend. Well, thank you very much, okay. Thanks very much. Looks good. Okay. Keep well and give my best to everybody at the office. Stay safe and healthy. Thank you.